Tuesday, October 2nd, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City right here in Denver, Colorado. And you know, we get together every single weekday. We talk sports with a dose of common sense. Maybe every once in a while, we will mix in a touch of sarcasm. We are happy to have you here with us today. Happy Tuesday to you. And I realize that it's only Tuesday, and we had to survive Monday. Wow, with all the stuff going on on Monday, I mean, we had Major League Baseball tiebreakers, we had Monday Night Football. Monday wasn't nearly as painful as it usually is. I've had way worse Mondays is what I'm saying. There were some fun things to watch last night in the world of sports. Hopefully you were able to see a few of those things. Hey, if you'd like to contact us, maybe let us know how your Monday was. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosesports at gmail.com, or go over to Facebook or Twitter and find us over there. Both of those handles are at Daily Dose Sports. Maybe you've got a comment. Maybe you've got a question. Maybe you need some advice. We would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out. Of course, today on the show, we've got to discuss some of those things that did take place yesterday on Monday. Saw tiebreakers taking place in Major League Baseball. You never see two tiebreakers taking place. Saw that yesterday. Had Monday night football going last night. Got to discuss a number of those things. And you know, it always feels like on Mondays, we're a little rushed to try to get through everything that takes place over the weekend. So today on Tuesday, we want to take a look at a few of the winners and a few of the losers from the weekend in both college football and the NFL. Let's jump into some breaking news. You know, we did have Two Major League Baseball tiebreakers yesterday to decide things in the National League as the Milwaukee Brewers beat the Chicago Cubs 3-1 to clinch the NL Central. Then we saw the Los Angeles Dodgers win the National League West by beating the Colorado Rockies 5-2. So now we know how the National League playoffs are going to go. Tonight, we get the Chicago Cubs hosting the Colorado Rockies in that wild card game. Then the winner will face the Milwaukee Brewers in the NLDS. That begins on Thursday. Also in the National League, we will have the Los Angeles Dodgers, who will be facing the Atlanta Braves, also beginning on Thursday night. We have got a week full of things to watch sports-wise. Postseason baseball finally gets really, really interesting. This should be really fun to watch. Also last night, we had what I expected to be a blowout Monday night football game turn into a very entertaining Monday night game. The Kansas City Chiefs had to come back to beat the Denver Broncos in Denver. They win 27-23 after they trailed the Broncos by 10 early in the fourth quarter. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, he was very impressive. He threw for 300 yards and a touchdown, and he kept coming up with clutch plays when he needed to. There were a few things that I actually took from this game. One, I thought Denver probably played about as well as they can play. I thought on both sides of the ball, no, they weren't perfect, but I thought they probably put together the best game that they've had all year, and it still wasn't enough, and that was at home. That's not a great sign for Denver. Again, I think they're about a 6-10, and 7-9 and nine kind of team, and nothing that I saw last night changed that thinking for me. Two. Patrick Mahomes' arm strength, it is very, very impressive. He throws lasers out on the run across his body 
and they are flying 40 yards in the air and he makes it look effortless. But there was also one thing that I noticed about Patrick Mahomes, and it's a little bit different than what many quarterbacks in NFL history have gone through. I was watching him last night as he's dealing with that Denver Broncos pass rush, and Patrick Mahomes is absolutely fearless back there. And I don't mean like mentally he's just fearless, mentally he's just tough. I mean, he is literally fearless because he knows he can't be hit. In past seasons, we would have seen a couple of the chances that he took kind of scrambling and running and throwing the ball on the run. I think you probably would have seen him pay for some of those plays, but he knows defenders can't touch him. So Patrick Mahomes gambles and he takes chances and it works. You know why? Because he's right. They can't touch him. In this day of touch football, Patrick Mahomes is a beast. He would be a big, strong, nasty quarterback, even in the days when you could hit quarterbacks. Now, when you can't touch him and he knows you can't touch him, he knows that he can stand in there just a little bit longer because you can't put your body weight on him. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is going to be very, very tough to stop. The Chiefs move on to 4-0. The Broncos drop to 2-2. Can the Chiefs keep this up? I do have some questions. I still don't like that defense. They allowed the Denver Broncos offense, which is not great, nearly 400 yards. Can you imagine that in the postseason against, I don't know, New England? Yeah, that's going to be very, very interesting. We'll see because the AFC is absolutely wide open. Very entertaining game last night on Monday Night Football, though. Coming back, we will take a look at a few of the winners and losers in both college and the NFL. You know, I've actually got a winner from right here in my home state of Colorado. I know, I can't believe I'm saying it either. And we saw a top 10 team take a loss this past weekend, and they are going to be a loser, but probably not for the reason you think. So let's take a look at a few of the winners and losers right now in the world of college football over this past weekend. Every single weekend, we are starting to see that herd thin a little bit as we see certain teams step up and prove they are worthy of being a top-ranked team. And we see other teams kind of go by the wayside. Which teams were going which direction this past week in the world of college football? And, you know, I'm going to start off in my home state. We are located here in Colorado. And I am one of the first to bash on college sports here in Colorado. Because while we do have professional sports, got the Denver Broncos, got the Colorado Rockies, we've got the Denver Nuggets, we've got the Colorado Avalanche. College sports here in my home state, they always seem to be a bit of a struggle. It used to be, back in the 80s, early 90s, that Colorado actually had a bona fide college football program. Every once in a while, we'll see little flashes, maybe a year here or there, where college basketball kind of shows up. But for the most part, we don't have great college sports here in the state of Colorado. Maybe it's the recruiting base is too far to bring kids in consistently. Maybe, and this would probably be my guess, the institutions here in Colorado don't always put that much of a focus on college sports. There's a number of factors at play is what I'm saying. But I'm going to give our first winner to the University of Colorado, sort of. Because the Colorado Buffaloes are now undefeated. 
they get a win over UCLA on Friday night. Do you realize that the University of Colorado is currently ranked number 21 in the latest polls? Hey, the Buffaloes are the last remaining undefeated Pac-12 team. Who saw this coming? And I guess that's a good thing, isn't it? But honestly, I'm not sure exactly what to think of Colorado. I mean, yes, they are undefeated. But so far, here's who they have beaten. They have beaten Colorado State, who is awful. They have beaten Nebraska, also awful. Then they beat New Hampshire. That's kind of embarrassing to even have on your schedule. And then they beat UCLA, who is probably like an eyelash ahead of New Hampshire. So currently, Colorado's strength of schedule ranks 112th out of 130 teams. Is Colorado better than we expected? Yes, because I expected absolutely nothing. Are they good? I have no idea. I can't tell. We're going to find out the later into the season we go and they start playing some conference teams. Good start, I think. Better than the alternative. I mean, what if they'd actually lost one of those games? So it's better than that. It's just kind of hard to tell exactly how good Colorado is. Now, I'm going to give a loser to the actual Pac-12 conference because right now, the Pac-12, I think, is basically down to one team having a chance to get in that national playoff. Because I can't see the Colorado Buffaloes running the table and carrying the conference into the national playoff. Even if they ran the table, they wouldn't get in. They're too far down in the rankings. So that's not a possibility. And with Stanford getting not just beat on Saturday by Notre Dame, they started to get handled the later that game went. That means the Pac-12's playoff hopes ride completely with the University of Washington, who, by the way, since that loss to Auburn, are starting to look stronger every single week, but there is zero room for error by Washington. They can't afford a second loss. If they lose again, yeah, I don't think the Pac-12 is making it to the national playoff. I don't think they have a chance. Washington gives them a slight chance. Washington cannot afford to trip up. And here's the problem with that scenario. Washington still has a few tough games. They still have Oregon. They still have Colorado. And they still have Stanford, who now has no pressure really on them anymore. Once again, the Pac-12 may cannibalize themselves. I'm going to give a winner to Ohio State head coach Urban Meyer because, yes, he might be a horrible human being. He may not have a soul. And he has a history of questionable choices with both his players and now his coaching staff. But the guy does win. You have to give him that. I mean, win and do a lot of sketchy things, but he does win. Right now, we're going to focus on the winning. On Saturday, Urban Meyer's Ohio State Buckeyes went into Happy Valley, somehow fought back and got a tough win in very hostile territory. Meyer has now survived that suspension, in quotation marks, for his handling of the Zach Smith wife-beating incident, and he has Ohio State playing pretty good, even without their best defensive player, Nick Bosa, who is out without injury. Ohio State has now jumped Clemson to number three in the polls. Hey, not bad for a coach we all thought could maybe 
get fired prior to the season. Remember the season was getting ready to start and we were like, are they going to fire Urban Meyer? No, they're not going to fire him. You know why? Because Urban wasn't going to let them fire him. Remember, he runs that university. Make no mistake about it. I am going to give a loser to Nebraska head coach Scott Frost. And honestly, it's getting painful to even talk about Nebraska football anymore. One week after first year coach Scott Frost said Nebraska hit rock bottom when they got blown out by Michigan, the Cornhuskers returned home this last Saturday. They lost 42 to 28 to Purdue. Going back to last season, it is the eighth consecutive loss for the Cornhuskers. That actually passes the seven straight losses that Nebraska had back in the, I don't know, early 1900s. The Huskers have not won a game since October 28th of 2017. And this season's 0-4 start, it is the worst start since 1945 for the Big Red when they opened up with five straight losses. Here's what Scott Frost had to say after the game. We look like one of the most undisciplined teams in the country and it kills me. Right now, Nebraska is the third most penalized team nationally. And on Saturday against Purdue, they had 11 penalties for 136 yards. And when I hear Scott Frost blasting his team, it makes me think he is trying to weed out some kids that aren't buying in to the system he's teaching. And what he's hoping is either you're going to buy in or you're going to quit and you're going to get out because you're sick of hearing how bad this is. You're sick of losing and you say, hey, I can't take it. I'm out. That is what Scott Frost, I think, is hoping for. You either need to get all on board or you need to go somewhere else. And I need to get some different kids in here. And if we go one and 11 this year, that's fine because it's going to bode well for our future to get rid of kids like that. I do think Scott Frost will eventually get Nebraska to be a respectable team. But make no mistake, it is going to take some time. And either way, I don't know that he's going to be restoring them to what they used to be when they were national title contenders every single year. I don't know if you can do that at one of those middle states anymore. I think that might be an era gone by. I am going to give a winner and we are going to move down to the Southeastern Conference to Dan Mullen, the Florida Gators head coach, because he returned to Starkville, Mississippi, and he was going to face his former team, Mississippi State that somehow he had built up into respectability. And I say somehow because hey, Mississippi State, that's a tough job. But Mullen actually had them ranked number one in 2014. He had them ranked six out of the nine seasons he was there. That doesn't happen at Mississippi State. No one really wins at Mississippi State. You have like Jackie Sherrill and Dan Mullen. That's it. They don't have this rich history of success down there. But of course, when the Florida job opens up, Mullen goes back to where he had had all that success coaching Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. On Saturday, Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators went back to Starkville and hey, let's just call it what it is. You see your ex-girlfriend, you want the new girlfriend to look pretty good. Make sure you're looking good when we go out tonight because we're going to see the ex. I want to make sure you look your best. And that's basically what Dan Mullen did on Saturday night. Well, Mullen's new girlfriend beat his old girlfriend 13-6. to Mississippi State was ranked 23rd. The Florida Gators were completely unranked. 
you know that had to be particularly sweet to Mullen, especially when he came out for that game and the locals booed him. I understand you boo him because he left, but don't forget the work he did while he was there. He built you into a respectable program. I understand fans are going to boo and fans are going to be stupid. I don't know. I think I would have cheered a little bit for Dan Mullen. He went back there and shut up those fans that were not happy to see him leave. We are going to give our final loser and we're going to give it to Penn State for their loss to Ohio State. And you know, if you watch that game, and that was a really fun game to watch, the first thing that you might think of, and probably the first thing you heard yesterday on Sports Talk and maybe on your local Sports Talk or maybe even nationally in the national media, was that when Penn State lost that game at home Saturday night to Ohio State, 27-26, the biggest thing that cost them the game was that fourth and five call when they hand it off to Miles Sanders and he gets dropped for a two-yard loss. That was a terrible call. You have to throw it there. What are you doing? And I get it. I do. If I am coaching on the biggest play of the game, I have to have the sense to say, okay, I want the ball in my best player's hands in the biggest game. And I want him doing what he is the best at doing. So in that case, I'm giving the ball to Trace McSorley and I'm going to ask him to make a play. I'm not going to hand it off there. I want the ball in Trace McSorley's hands. So as bad as that was, and you can second guess the play calling and all that. I understand that. But just think back to how different the outcome of that Ohio State-Penn State game would have been if Penn State had just tackled effectively. They struggled to tackle all night, especially in the secondary. It wasn't like Ohio State was going out throwing these 50, 60-yard passes. They were throwing these little screens, and then you were watching receivers weave their way 50, 60 yards down the field because of poor tackling. It's so funny because we sit here and we watch sports. We sit here and we watch football specifically. And we say, hey, why did one team win? Why did one team lose? Oh, it's play calling. Oh, it was refs. We hear that a lot. We're going to get to that actually in a few minutes. It was the referees. They cost us the game. Football at its basis is one at the line of scrimmage. Who blocks better? Who tackles better? And on Saturday night, Penn State couldn't tackle anyone. And as a result, they take a loss. And that has to improve. Hey, the Nittany Lions still have huge games coming up. They still have Michigan State. They still have Michigan. They still have Wisconsin. A one-point loss to Ohio State, that doesn't doom their season by any means. But poor tackling? Yeah, poor tackling could doom their season. They have to get a lot better now. Their tackling was definitely a loser this week, and it cost them in a big game. Hey, coming back, we need to switch over to the NFL. We've got some winners and losers over there, too. And one of them has appeared right here on the Daily Dose Sports Podcast. Just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping to do, you might want to head over to LootCrate.com forward slash Daily Dose, where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles featuring your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. October's Loot Crate theme is now out. It is called Cursed, Haunted by Dark Spirits and Evil Creatures. Sorry, but it sounds like you've been cursed. Fight back against your regrettable fate with an exclusive collection of accursed gear. October's Loot Crate theme features items from Attack on Titan, Gremlins, Evil Dead 2, and American Horror Story, 
Looks like they are getting ready for Halloween over at Loot Crate. But if none of those franchises interest you, remember, you can go to Loot Crate and choose from a huge selection of crates, a monthly subscription of crates, or just individual items. And they have so many things over there, they are sure to have exactly what you need. Of course, the best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, be sure you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order, just as a little thank you for listening to the Daily Dose each and every day. So let's switch over and discuss some of the winners and losers in the NFL from this past weekend. Was an interesting weekend in the NFL, like we talked about a little bit yesterday. It seemed like after the wild week three with all the upsets and all the unpredictability, it seemed like week four kind of got back to normal just a little. Let's look at some winners and losers from this past weekend. And I'm going to give a winner to the New England Patriots because They are about to get Julian Edelman back. Josh Gordon was actually on the field on Sunday, and I know that the Patriots started off the season one and two. And we start looking at them, and it is easy to do. You start looking at New England and saying, hey, maybe this is it. And eventually it's going to be it. I still don't know that they're out of the woods just yet, but they're probably not done quite yet because Brady, Belichick, and the Patriots, they keep coming back like Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers. Just when you think, oh, we finally did it. They're finally done. Nope. They get back up. And when they cut back to the picture of them laying on the ground, they're gone. Yeah. The Patriots somehow keep getting up off the mat. On Sunday, they blow out the division leading Miami Dolphins 38 to 7. And that was even with Rob Gronkowski leaving with a leg injury. Sounds like it won't be that serious, but he was actually out for a good portion of that game. Didn't make any difference. Tom Brady still threw for 300 yards. He still had three touchdowns. Now, I could see this team wearing down as the season goes because of their age and just because of general attrition, but I hate to say it. The New England Patriots are definitely still a contender, and for that, they are a winner this week. I am going to give a loser to one of our favorite callers here at the Daily Dose, Raymond from Washington, D.C. You get a loser because he appeared on the show last week. If you didn't hear it, go back and check it out. But he told us how his Buffalo Bills were going to go 14-2 and and win the Super Bowl. I'm willing to bet my life. Hey, they had beaten the Minnesota Vikings. That was the coming out party. Now they were back on track. We were going to see the true greatness of the Buffalo Bills. On Sunday, the Bills returned to who we thought they were. They get curb stomped by the Green Bay Packers 22 to nothing. On a day when, honestly, the Packers' offense didn't look very good. It was so bad, Aaron Rodgers is kind of complaining about the play calling. That's how bad the offense was. They still beat the Buffalo Bills 22 to nothing. And rookie quarterback Josh Allen, yeah, he's returned to looking like a rookie idiot. On Sunday, Allen went 16 for 33. He had 151 yards, two interceptions. He averaged a whopping four yards per pass. Yeah. That's Brock Osweiler company, kids. The Bills had 145 total yards against the Packers defense that is allowing nearly 400 yards per game. Hey, Buffalo fans, don't go buying up all the Super Bowl tickets just yet. You may want to invest your money a little more wisely. Go buy some NFL draft tickets again. You're probably going to be pretty high up on that list once again. Sorry, Raymond. You're a loser this week. I'm willing to bet my life. (laughs) I am going to give a winner to Chicago Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky, who posted 
what is probably the greatest performance by a Bears quarterback since ever. You know, Trubisky had never even thrown for more than two touchdowns in a game. That hadn't happened. On Sunday, he threw for five in the first half alone. Chicago jumped out to a 38-3 lead. Mitchell Trubisky goes on to throw for 354 yards and six touchdowns. The Bears pound the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I'm still not sure if I have a ton of faith in Mitchell Trubisky, but hey, he was red hot on Sunday. Meanwhile, on the other side, I am going to give a loser to Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, to Tampa Bay quarterback Jameis Winston, to the Tampa Bay defense, just to the entire Tampa Bay franchise is basically what I'm saying. Because after being an early surprise, when they got victories over the New Orleans Saints and the Philadelphia Eagles, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have slammed back to earth. On Sunday, Ryan Fitzmagic looked, yeah, he looked more like Ryan Fitzpatrick. He went 9 of 18 for 126 yards. He did have an interception. So what does head coach Dirk Cutter do? He puts Jameis Winston into the game. He's going to save the day, except we know that's not really what Jameis Winston does. Like, he's not a save-the-day kind of guy. He's more of a molest-an-uber-driver kind of guy. So he comes in, and what does he do? He throws two interceptions. But maybe the biggest story of the Bears versus Buccaneers game on Sunday was the fact that the Buccaneers' defense allowed that Bears' offense to roll up nearly 500 yards. Hey, Tampa has started fast this year. But it looks again like they are the same old Tampa Bay. Sorry, Buccaneers fans. It could be another long year. And while I know now they have benched Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston is going to come back to being the starter, keep in mind, if he gets hurt, you have to pay him guaranteed money. Good luck with that. You better hope he doesn't get hurt. I'm going to give a winner to New Orleans Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas, the former Ohio State Buckeye. He finished the Saints 38-18 win over the New York Giants with four catches for 47 yards. He didn't have a huge day with just those four receptions, but Michael Thomas set an NFL record with 42 receptions through the first four games. He surpasses Wes Welker, who had 40 receptions back in 2011. So here's a question for you, Daily Dose listener. Who is the Saints' second leading receiver right now? It's actually running back Alvin Kamara. Then it goes to tight end Benjamin Watson. Then the second leading wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints, Ted Ginn Jr. Uh, The reason for telling you that, opposing defenses, they know Michael Thomas is getting the ball. Who else do they have? And they still can't stop him. Michael Thomas is definitely a winner so far this season. Got to give a loser to Seattle Seahawks safety Earl Thomas after his contract dispute with the Seahawks. Of course, Thomas showed up for work for week one, but he hasn't been happy about it. He has been very vocal about that. He has played when we know he hasn't wanted to, but he has also sat out practices when he hasn't felt like going. Hey, I get it. You want an extension. They won't give you one. You want to be traded. They wouldn't trade you. Hey, play out the season. Stay healthy. Go somewhere else next year. Except that on Sunday in the Seahawks win over Arizona, Thomas got rolled up on and he has a broken leg. Now, as the medical staff put the air cast on Thomas and carted him off. He flipped off the Seattle Seahawks sideline. I don't know if I understand why. Are you flipping off your teammates? Are you flipping off your coaches? Hey, 
You're angry. I understand. But what did your teammates or coaches do to you? Go flip off the owner. He's the one that wouldn't give you the deal. He's the one that wouldn't trade you. Or go flip off your original deal that you signed. Guess you could flip off yourself. But why would you flip off your teammates and coaches? They aren't signing your checks. That was kind of Bush League from Earl Thomas. I didn't care for the look. Going to give a winner to the NFL referees this week. And no, they didn't have a very good day by any means. We saw a number of calls that were just blown. They missed a pretty big block in the back in the Philadelphia versus Tennessee game. I can't figure out what in the world conclusive evidence means when it pertains to instant replay. We saw that in the Cleveland Browns-Oakland Raiders game. We have conclusive evidence, except that none of us can see conclusive evidence. And as far as I can tell, you're kind of just making it up. They've even reaffirmed those decisions. I can't figure out what they're looking at, but that's not what I want to dwell on. What I want to dwell on is the fact that there were just five roughing the passer calls in week four, and three of them actually came in the 49ers versus Chargers game. Some of the calls were still a little sketchy, but hey, maybe they are starting to figure out how to call this whole thing because it was really getting ugly in the first three weeks. The league was averaging 11 roughing the passer flags from weeks one to weeks three. So while they still botched a bunch of calls this week, I am actually going to say that the referees are a slight winner. Remember, it's baby steps, people. No, they didn't get most calls right. But yes, they kind of figured out this whole roughing the passer thing. I am going to give our final NFL loser of the week to rookie quarterbacks this week. And no, I'm actually not bashing this class. I like this group a little bit. Hopefully, they turn out to be a solid class. But they had a rough outing this past Sunday. On Sunday, the draft class of Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen, all of whom started, went a combined 0-4. They threw four touchdowns. They also threw five interceptions rough day for the rookie quarterbacks this past Sunday. Hey, you want to be a first round NFL quarterback? It isn't always so easy. And remember, teams still don't have great scouting reports on these guys yet. It could actually get a little bit tougher for these rookies before it gets better. Hey, tomorrow on the Daily Dust, we are of course going to be bringing you the latest and greatest in the world of sports news. Plus, we will have some Daily Dose Hump Day Power Rankings You never know what we might be ranking this week. Have to say thank you all so much for listening to The Daily Dose on your Tuesday. For all of you that share the show, that tell your friends, that email us, that text us, we appreciate that so much. Thank you. Have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Tuesday.